Hello and welcome to the Friday, May 6th, 2022, Seis de Mayo edition of On Iowa Politics. <laughs> Always a day late and a peso short. This week, the A-word, the lingering, languishing legislative session, the future of the Iowa caucuses. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and with me today are Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. And congratulations on your award from the Iowa Newspaper Association as an outstanding young journalist. Thank you. Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal. Good morning, Jared. Good morning, James. It's uh, it's me. I did uh, the leaks, uh, all of them. Even the leaks that haven't <laughs> happened yet, I, uh, I did those too. So watch out. <laughs> There's more to come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aaron Murphy, State House Bureau Chief for the Gazette. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. And Gazette Opinion Editor Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning, and no me gusta nadar. That's all I can remember <laughs> from my high school Spanish. It's I don't like to swim. Oh. <laughs> so in, in, I thought in, you were saying you didn't like Ralph Nader. <laughs> well, that, that could be too. I, you know, it's. <laughs> It's an all-purpose phrase. <laughs> it is. It is. I got good grades in high school Spanish, but I don't remember any of it. <laughs> Except Cinco de Mayo and then what I just said. Well, there you go. You're ahead of me. <laughs> first, up, first up this week, the A word. The Supreme Court may or may not be about to overturn the landmark 1973 Roe versus Wade ruling that found a constitutional right to abortion. A draft of what is purported to be Justice Samuel Alito's decision was leaked to Politico. Chief Justice John Roberts has said that the draft does not reflect the court's final decision, but all indications are that Roe will be overturned in total or significantly scaled back. Reaction was immediate. Fundraising for pro-abortion rights and anti-abortion groups shifted into high gear and probably will continue to accelerate through the campaign season and beyond. Todd, give us a, a... kind of the big picture overview of what this means, what this decision could mean for the country politically and culturally and and keep it to 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, I've, I've prepared two hours worth of material. So sit back and relax, have a beverage. Uh, Well, you know, of course the, you know, contrary to what some folks have been saying, I don't think the leak is the biggest deal about this particular uh, opinion ruling, uh, you know, obviously the, the the biggest impact is that you're it's it would take a a fifty year old constitutional right away from away from away from women, and uh, you know, abortion wouldn't disappear. I, I guess in, there were you know there are twenty three states or twenty six depending on who you ask where abortion would be banned really quickly, perhaps through trigger laws, things like that. But, you know, abortion isn't going to disappear in those states and other states that ban it because, uh, you know, abortions were happening before Roe v. Wade. They just were unregulated and unsafe and and women died. Low-income women usually were the ones that were, you know, hurt the most by that. Wealthier women could go to other states or seek, you know, medical uh the medical procedure elsewhere. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an earth shaking change And the United States has been fighting about this, the right and the left for a long time, but I don't, I don't think, you know, 
a lot of us thought it was possible that that Roe would eventually be overturned like this and in such a sweeping way, in an opinion that also seems to open the door for the possibility of of revisiting other constitutional rights that the the court has granted over the years. Same-sex marriage would be an example. Uh, there are all sorts of privacy rights that would seem to be uh, up up in the air now after after this. If this proves to be the ruling, and you know it could change, but uh, yeah, it's a, an extraordinary development politically. It it you know Democrats who were kind of sleepwalking toward a you know a midterm disaster have suddenly woken up and realized once again that hey getting elected to stuff is important so that they don't do things like this. And Republicans, uh, you know, I think obviously they're pleased if this is the ruling because this is what they've been advocating for, for, for years. But, you know, it also, you know, a lot of the stuff that they're talking about, you know, with Joe Biden and the Democrats, I mean, this, this kind of overshadows some of that and has to change their calculus too. A lot of them have been talking just about the leak and how outrageous it is and haven't been saying, some of them haven't been saying a whole lot about the ruling itself. So, I mean, the implications are, are huge and they're, and, and they're going to shake up the midterms and they're going to, you know, shake up life in America if this, if this you know, is, is the final ruling. Iowa's congressional delegation was quick to respond with, ex- and with the exception of third district Democratic representative Sidney Axney, they all hailed the potential decision as the correct decision. Uh, closer to home, Aaron, what might this mean for the overtime session of the Iowa legislature? Are leaders now wishing they had wrapped up their business uh, back in April as scheduled? Well, it, it doesn't sound, we just heard from Governor Reynolds yesterday, uh, Thursday, depending on when you're reading this, uh, listening here. Um, on Thursday, she talked to reporters and said that the plan is actually to not pass any legislation during this regular session here. So um, that's good news for people who want the session to be done. Uh, so that's one less <laughs> fly in the ointment. <laughs> Seeing a lot of hands raised. Um, uh, uh, that's one less fly in the ointment to, to, to keep them from adjourning. You throw that in there and who knows how long it takes to get that figured out. Um, so so we don't expect anything in, in the immediate future. Now, um, she was also asked, would you call a special, special session, depending on what the Supreme Court's final ruling is? And she sort of uh, avoided that one, kind of tap dance around that one. So the, the reading between the lines there is that's a possibility. So it, it it depends on what the Supreme Court finally rules and and what if happens with a couple of things for the Iowa Supreme Court too, and and it's there it's possible we could see a special session later this uh, year this summer sometime. Have legislative leaders or or just legislators in general weighed in on this? I mean, are you hearing anything from them about they're ready to take action or? Um, leaders have been playing it pretty close to the vest so far. I, I haven't heard anything. The Governor Reynolds' comments yesterday was were the first insight into it at all, at least publicly. And um, and I have asked that uh, that very specific question of uh, Senator Whitfer and Speaker Grassley as well, and 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 didn't get a response to, from them. Um, the one legislator I did hear from was Representative Skylar Wheeler, who introduced um, 
uh, Todd mentioned the trigger bills that some states have, which is where it, the bill basically says if the Supreme Court hands down this ruling, our, our, here's a new state law that goes into effect. Um, Skyler Wheeler uh, from conservative area in, in Western Iowa it introduced such a bill um, this year. And he did respond to me and he didn't say it would be his bill necessarily, but just basically um, saying that, uh, um, that uh, if the Supreme court uh, rules the way they expect and hope that the legislature stands ready to uh, respond again, which he didn't say that outright, but again, sounds to me like a, a, a a, a lean towards a special session. Well, and the, and the complication for them is that they also have to wait to see what the Iowa Supreme Court does right. on this 24 hour waiting, uh, waiting period bill. If they, if they strike down the 2018 ruling granting a fundamental right, then uh, that would open the door for a ban. Uh, but if they don't, then that's still in effect. And, and really, you know, until they, this constitutional amendment comes up for a vote, maybe next year or the year after, that that will stay in place unless there's another case that they they take up to to do that. So that's uh, yeah, they really can't move anything until you know the, the state court sort of decides what what happens to that fundamental right argument. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. And then and the there's a couple of things before the state court that the 24 hour waiting period and the uh, Republicans had filed some legal briefs asking to the court to overturn the the fetal heartbeat bill, uh, which is the one that Todd you were talking about there with the, that that essentially guaranteed the right to an abortion. So so Todd's actually right, and so the hypotheticals here are it, it, even if the the U.S. Supreme Court overturns Roe, but if the Iowa Supreme Court upholds its previous rulings, then like Todd said that nothing basically changes here in Iowa because all, all's overturning Roe does is puts it back to the states. And in Iowa, the state would still be under those state Supreme Court rulings. And then again, to Todd's point, so then the next step for um, the, the pro-life uh, crowd would be um, that a, a, a constitution, proposed constitutional amendment, uh, which would go on the ballot in 2024. So it's <laughs> it's kind of, funny to think uh, that we could have abortion kind of figuratively on the ballot this election and then literally on the ballot in 2024. Well, it, it is on the ballot this year. I mean, the That's constitutional I mean, amendment yeah. is on the ballot. Oh, no, no. The, no, the, the guns is this year. Guns is this year. Guns, abortion, hard yeah, to keep yep. straight. Yeah. No, I have to do that all the time, too. And I think <laughs> I've finally trained myself that it's the Second Amendment ballot uh, uh, constitutional amendment this year and abortion in 2020. Speaking of amendments, Aaron, should we expect a lot of uh, abortion related amendments on whatever bills the legislature takes up before they adjourn? So uh, from both from both, uh, you know, right. pro and anti abortion group. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I haven't heard the um, uh, the uh, pro choice. I, I haven't considered that question. I haven't asked anybody that 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 would be interesting is see if Democrats tried to throw something like that into the, you know, yeah, in terms of budget. Um, what I've heard so far and take this for what it's worth and maybe the winds changed anyways, but um, I, I'm hearing that the leaders really, once they get these deals done, cause they're, they want session to be done too, as much as they want to hold out for the, for the K 12 private school bill. Um, 
they also want to be done. So what I'm hearing is they don't want to mess with policy in the budget bills. So assuming that's true and assuming Pat Grassley and Jack Whitfer have some modicum of control over their caucuses, I don't expect to see um, abortion amendments introduced, uh, you know, during floor debate, whenever they get around to, to finish. By Republicans. By, by Republicans. By yeah, Republicans. By right. Democrats. Yeah, uh, that's I, a really good question, to yeah. be honest. I haven't asked. I, 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 I would I, expect there would be at least one, uh, you know, to, so they could talk about it. Yeah. And, uh, and have, uh, you know, it'll be called non-germane, and then there'll be a vote to suspend the rules and the record roll so call on that. On so, yep. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I'm sure there'll be at least one. Um, yeah, Jared, you talk to uh, legislators from Western Iowa, and as we would expect, Republicans liked the leaked opinion. Democrats not so much. At least one of those Democrats thought there might be an opportunity to to discuss abortion-related legislation. Um, I mean, in light of what Aaron was just telling us, uh, what what's the basis for that? Yeah, so <clears throat> I talked with uh, State Senator Jackie Smith, who's a Democrat from uh, Sioux City, about this. And uh, as for the potential decision itself to overturn uh, Roe, she pointed out that this isn't going to stop people from having abortions. It's just going to stop them from having safe abortions. And that's also something I heard from a woman who used to work for Planned Parenthood around here and actually helped raise funds for people to travel elsewhere to get abortions. So that's kind of where that part of the equation was shaking out. As for the legislative part specifically, I um, I asked Jackie Smith whether or not we could see Republicans try to revive this issue before the session ends, and she said it's possible. And in her framing, she said I wouldn't be surprised if this ended up being some you know last minute, middle of the night kind of attempt that they they put up, um, kind of just squeaking in under the wire or whatever other one of metaphor you want to use. Um, so th that's, um, the way in which she seemed to think this might come, uh, back up as opposed to some like prolonged thing that just drags the session out longer. Um, so yeah. And then uh, I also tried to get in touch with, uh, some of the other legislators in our area, but none of the uh, Republican folks wanted to talk to me, uh, this week, but, uh, they're still free to hit me up anytime, I guess. So in case they're listening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Always, always free to chat. Polling has shown that depending on how you measure opinions, the majority of Iowans support legal abortion in all or most cases. But for many people, support and opposition to abortion comes in shades of gray rather than black and white. And positioning on abortion matters has changed over the years. Uh, politicians' party affiliation and position on abortion generally go hand in hand today. There was a time when pro-life Democrats were a thing. And Sarah, you talked to what is now an equally rare breed, a pro-choice Republican. Um, what were, were her perspectives on this air quote decision and its implications for her party and politics in general? Yeah, so I talked with Maggie Tinsman, who's a Republican from Bettendorf. Um, she lost her primary in 2006 um, from a challenger from the right. And um, throughout her time in the State House, and I was actually reading some of uh, Todd's articles um, about Maggie Tinsman um, from his time. So he may also remember, um, you know, from experience. But uh, according to those, she was a very moderate Republican. And, um, and when I talked with her, interestingly enough, she... Um, and maybe this isn't unexpected, but she didn't really want to talk about um, <laughs> abortion and um, the 
and her position all that much. But she did talk about how um, now more so than ever, uh, abortion is really a talking point um, among Republicans and um, and people are less willing to buck their party on issues of abortion. Like she gave me a couple examples of um, of politicians that she said she told hey, you maybe shouldn't talk about abortion in your campaign stump speeches because it's a really divisive topic for Iowans. And so and so she really said she tried to, when she went door to door, she talked, she, she tried to talk about education and about other things. And if people asked her about her position on um, abortion, she would tell them she was pro-choice, but that um, steadily as uh, politics have gotten more politics around abortion have gotten more polarized and more partisan. Um, she uh, obviously lost her 2006 primary though. Um, that might've been on, might've been on other issues, but uh, so she really remarked about how, um, how partisan the, the issue of abortion had become and how um, in Iowa, especially as uh, you know, it used to be, Democrats were in control in office. Um, occasionally, power went switched back and forth, and so now, as Republicans have this have had this trifecta um, for the last several years, uh, it's really become a one way or the highway for a lot of folks. Especially like in 2018, no Senate Republicans voted down the 2018 uh, fetal heartbeat bill. Um, so, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we should do sort of a historical uh, podcast sometime on on moderate Republicans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she voted against the uh, constitutional amendment that would have banned same sex marriage. She was like a hand. There were a handful of Republicans mm-hmm. that basically killed it in the Senate, and that's she drew David Hart such as her primary opponent after that. Oh, and yeah. That was yeah. So it was the gay marriage issue, I think, that was the driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Aaron, I'll start with you and ask the others uh, to join in. Uh, assuming the leaked decision is the real decision or accurate, uh, what impact will this have on state legislative races, including both Democratic and Republican primaries in about a month? Yeah, it, it's the primary question in particular is, is is interesting because you already kind of had the, again, the, the voucher bill out there. Um, as a possible motivating factor in some of these uh, primaries where uh, you have Republicans um, challenging incumbents. And and this could be another one, um, you know, another log on the fire that, that maybe moves a a primary voting electorate even more, more to the right. Um, So, so those, all those primary, Republican primaries at the state house are going to be super interesting uh, here in the next month uh, and to see what ultimately happens there. And, and I think it'll give us a, a kind of a picture of, of where the Republican party in Iowa is at at, at, at the moment. Um, and then looking ahead to the general, I mean, it's, it's really hard to imagine that not coming up on the campaign trail, even at the state house level. I mean, it's, I mean, that's, that's kind of, this is one of those unique national issues that is genuinely a local issue now because of like we said before that this if if roe is overturned it throws it back to the states and so now um you know (laughs) nationalizing these local races is actually relevant for once (laughs) 
um, because it, it now will matter um, very much what, what those. Um... And so then the question is, Todd mentioned, or no, you did, James, uh, the polling. And, 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 and you're right that, it, you know, a poll can always phrase a, a question to, to get a desired outcome. But, but the ones that keep it the most general and generic show that a majority of Americans, and it's, and it's the same in Iowa, um, want abortion to be at least legal in some cases. Uh, so it's going to be really fascinating to see. It's, it's, it's clearly going to be an issue to what degree it becomes an issue in these races. It's going to be just fascinating to me, you know, is because we always talk about during a campaign and election season, oh, we, you know, we that cover this on a day to day basis get caught up in the in the issues of the day and when it comes down to it is it something that actually moves voters um you know uh when they're actually casting the the, their votes um this one could be this this could be one that actually does so it's going to be a fascinating uh year really we've gotten one letter to the editor in the you know in the house district 66 primary uh it was for uh oh which republican Steve Bradley, uh, the letter writer, said that Lee Hine was one of only three Republicans that voted against the constitutional amendment on abortion. Yep. So that's one right. place where it might might have an impact. Right. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about that race. Um, it, it, I also wonder if in Democratic primaries, uh, how much of an issue this is going to be, um, you know, Democrats by and large support abortion rights, but do they support, you know, any limitations it could become the sort of the fighting point is what limitations, you know, 20 weeks, 24 weeks, third trimester, all those sorts of things, uh, you know, or, or no limits at all. So it could become a factor in that. Todd, um, where does this go from here? Assuming this leaked decision is the direction the court goes in, in the Supreme Court, overturns Roe, where does the debate go next? Well, I mean, obviously it goes it goes to the states. Some states have protections in place for abortion rights. And, you know, and, and we talked about what's going to happen in Iowa and and with the, you know, watching the, the Iowa Supreme Court and, and then, you know, what can the legislature do? I think it's going to be an interesting, you know, the, the governor's race maybe takes on a, a you know, a little more drama with this issue on the table, considering that whoever wins is going to probably be in the governor's office when, you know, potential restrictions on abortion are, are going to move out of the legislature. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it goes to the campaign trail. It goes to the legislatures. I mean, if, if that, if this is what ends up being the ruling now, wouldn't, wouldn't it be another big surprise if this isn't the ruling? I, <laughs> I have my doubts, but uh, yeah, as you know, only time will tell as, as they, mm -hmm. as lousy journalists say at the end of their stories. <laughs> I, I would note that there was a bill introduced in 2021 in the Iowa house um, that uh, would prohibit the use of, any method of inhibiting the development of a human pregnancy at any stage following conception. So we're talking like um, morning after or plan B sorts of uh, approaches. Um, that was introduced to, to and referred to the Human Resources Committee. There was no action taken on the bill, no subcommittee or anything. So, um, but it's out there. 
uh, yeah. if they wanted to revive it. And, and it seems like that might be a direction that uh, the anti-abortion forces might go um, because that seems like the next battleground. Right. Uh, and, that, and that's been popping up in plenty of other states too. Like I know right. uh, particularly um, like uh, extreme one that people were pointing out in Louisiana was that like uh, IUDs could be criminalized and like people could be charged with murder for like using those. So yeah, there's a, there's a whole range of stuff that would come after this if this does end up being the ruling. Yeah. And in states or in areas like the Quad Cities, you know, Illinois has their state uh, constitutional amendment that protects abortion. So I'll be interested to see if some states, uh, if this does go through, if they try to limit then people going out of state or trying to get abortion pills from out of state, especially like in the Quad Cities, um, having Illinois so close to us. Yeah, you can't buy fireworks out of state and bring it back and you can't go across the state lines to have an abortion. And uh, (laughs) yeah, whatever. All right. Speaking of speaking of battlegrounds, Aaron, any signs of progress in the ongoing legislative stare down? Uh, Governor Kim Reynolds says she's working to get the votes she needs to pass her voucher light plan. Uh, what can she offer the holdouts to make them come around to her position and, and what might they want to change their mind? Yeah, I think that's that's the, the exact trouble and in, in why the stalemate has really hardened is because um there's there's really nothing left to offer. They've done everything else um, other than the budget. And, uh, th- you know, there's nothing there, there's not going to be any kind of sweetheart deals uh, put in there. So um, I don't even know what that would look like. Um, some big tax incentive for a <laughs> field. To well, I mean, the only thing that comes to mind is, is just sort of the, you know, we're sitting down this huge surplus. So, so, uh, Senator Murphy, you need a bridge in your district. Here you go. You know, uh, you know, right. You know, but it, yeah. And, but it, I mean, and, and even with, when you've got Republican leadership that for so long has championed keeping a, a, a tight sh- uh, budget ship and, and, um, and uh, mm-hmm. they've already introduced their targets, so we know what they're hoping to spend. Um, yeah, I just don't. Uh, not to mention, to, to your example specifically, we've got federal infrastructure money just pouring into the state, so they don't need to squeak the wheels, grease the wheels there. Um, so I don't know. I, I I just think it's they they genuinely are trying to change minds. That's all they have left. And they and the the one thing that might get them there, and I, I believe we've talked about this on, on a previous podcast. We heard is they're talking about a a baseline, um, you know, uh, for school, um, size school population. So if you're a certain size or below, you wouldn't be eligible. Um, and and the idea being that that would remove the concern about those smaller rural schools, which is where a lot of the resistance is coming from in, in the House Republican caucus. So if they can just say, well, it's only these schools and above, then then maybe you convince just enough of those House Republicans to be a little more on board with it. I think that's the only way this happens. Maybe they approach it like they did with child care to eliminate that child care cliff. They eliminate the, the school funding cliff. So if you're at that cut off then you know for every student above that you know you you still get some money but uh yeah there you go i mean i i don't know it just it, it seems like one of those situations where i don't know what the governor can offer to make someone change their mind uh you know it, it 
yeah, it, it doesn't seem like there are a lot of and, uh, enticements. Yeah, and they're not clearly not giving up yet because, as, as we saw this week, uh, the governor held a um, closed-door meeting with some parents from the Linmar School District that started about the uh, transgender policy and ended up being about the governor's pitch for uh, her voucher program. So, so yeah, the battle, they're still fighting the good fight. So, yeah, that's uh, it, it's very interesting to see the Democratic response um, to that meeting, uh, criticizing the governor for her closed door meeting. And these are people who have closed door meetings every day that they're in session. You know, it's like pot kettle, all right. <laughs> Oh, no shame at all in politics. Moving right along here, the future of the First in the Nation caucuses is a topic of discussion once again. This week, the Iowa Democratic Party announced plans to keep Iowa's First in the Nation caucuses, or at least be among the first states in the nominating process. That sounds like a huge concession in itself saying we want to be among the first rather than the first. But Aaron, um, what are Democrats planning to do do to make the caucuses more palatable to the national party. Yeah, so they were light on the specifics, um, but they did say, you know, we're open to basically changing the process. Um, so that is something of a noteworthy admission because they've been, Democrats have historically been pretty adamant about making, if making any tweaks, making them as small as possible. Um, so the the statement that we're willing to make this simpler and more accessible um if that's genuine then that's noteworthy and it'll be interesting but it it also comes down to well what does that exactly look like because um it's going to take some significant changes to appease the national party and even then i don't know if it's going to be enough um so it it, it was one of those um, you know, you kind of walk away from the uh, from that press conference saying, "Okay, that's interesting, but now tell me what you're actually gonna do." Let, let let's let's see what happens here when the rubber meets the road. Trust us, trust us. We're gonna make reforms. Yeah, yeah. Todd, uh, I mean, we've kind of heard this before that uh, you know, in the last two presidential cycles, there have been problems with the, the Democratic caucuses, and the Republicans have had their problems too. Um, but And they said, we're going to fix things, we're going to reform things, we're going to change the way we do this. Yet here we are again. Um, can the caucuses be reformed? Can they be saved? Well, they, they can be reformed. I'm, I'm sure they've got some ideas on how to make them more accessible, probably using technology and uh, things that we've learned during the pandemic, I guess, that, you know, have allowed people to participate in things without actually being in the room. Uh, I mean, not knowing what they're going to do makes it kind of tough to to know whether it's it's going to make a difference or not. Uh, can they be saved? I, I have my doubts as far as first in the nation. Uh, but I mean, if, if they want to be among the first, I, you know, maybe the, <laughs> maybe that will work. Uh, we probably should have a primary, but I suppose that's not going to happen because we're going to try to hang on to our our traditions. So yeah, I I don't. It's hard to tell. I mean, I think they've got an uphill fight. I I don't think Democrats want caucuses or Iowa to be at the top of their nomination process because and and you can't blame them considering how how red Iowa is trending. I mean, they don't. 
they don't want to start and pour resources into a state that the eventual nominee can't win. So, so it's a, they've, they're going to have to, as, as Ross Wilburn said, fight like hell, but I, I don't know that they can win. <laughs> what, what is funny about some of this too, is that like, if you line up like, you know, Democrats over the years with Iowa caucuses versus Republicans, like the Democratic caucuses have been a little bit more predictive of like the eventual nominee than the Republican caucuses have been. And so I've always wondered in that respect, why it is that Democrats would be keen on, you know, dumping Iowa first, because you could make a case Obama might not have happened if not for, you know, the Iowa caucuses in 2008. Um, So yeah, that's something I've always wondered with this and getting rid of Iowa's first in the nation thing. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. Oh, I was just going to say, I also think, um, Obama did an interview a year or two ago about how he thought, you know, if if there was a do over and if he was at the Iowa caucuses again, he wasn't sure if he would actually make it that far because at the time he was sitting down with local newspaper editorial boards and people were more influenced by by those maybe than like the national news, Fox News and um, the national politics kind of um, tsunami that people are are, you know, hit with. And uh, so people, he thought that maybe people were more willing to hear him out. So I do think that that also maybe, yeah, would be interesting, you know, can a grassroots campaign still do well? I think, you know, if you look at 2020, um, you know, Bernie Sanders obviously had been here a lot in 2016 and, and between 2016 and 2020. So Iowans knew him very well. Pete Buttigieg was new on the scene. Um, you know, was uh, someone who most Iowans hadn't heard of until he came here to campaign. And yet one of them won the camp, the, the caucuses. We we still don't know which, but uh, they both claim victory. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's kind of Iowa nice. Oh, uh, yeah. You two guys uh, will say you won. Anyway, uh, my point being that I think Iowans still give candidates a chance to introduce themselves and explain themselves, um, you know, whether so I think the point that Jared made about being predictive um, is usually good. In 2020, it wasn't. Uh, you know, Biden didn't do very well in, in Iowa, and I think a lot of that really falls on him, not so much on Iowans. Um, but also, um, you know, I, I think it does from a national Democratic Party standpoint, as Todd said, it probably doesn't make sense to pour a lot of resources into a state that you're eventually going to lose. Uh, you know, put those put those resources, the organizational efforts at, into a state, um, you know, where you have a chance to win. Uh, I saw something yesterday where they were talking about that Texas might, you know, be the leadoff state, uh, which is, you know, has been very red, very good for Republicans. But yet the, the Democratic Party has been improving its numbers there. So, you know, pump your resources into there and maybe pick up more congressional seats, more state legislative seats. Um, rather than just, you know, pour the money in and then walk away and, and get nothing in the long run. And of course, the, uh, the, pushback to that, the pushback to that would be like, you're never going to win Iowa then if you don't at least try to pump resources in there. Like, you can't just throw up your hands and be like, ah, oh, what can we do? We didn't even try. <laughs> well, that, that seems to be what Republicans have done in some states, you know, of, mm-hmm. you know, they know they're not going to win New York. They're not going to win California. So they they pump 
they target money to those specific districts where they stand a chance, but by and large, they're, they, they don't seem to make a big play for, for those states. But um, whatever the next step is in the abortion war and the caucus battle, uh, we'll talk about it on future editions of On Iowa Politics. Um, I hope you enjoyed this week's edition. And if you did, tell your friends and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts. Fan mail may be sent to podcast at thegazette.com. And stay up to date on that lengthy, growing longer Iowa legislative session by subscribing to the Capital Digest newsletter under the Iowa Legislature tab at thegazette.com. And don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, Sioux City Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Muscatine Journal, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Johnny on Point will take us out. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be on the podcast, send us a sound file and subscribe to On Iowa Politics. For Aaron, Todd, Sarah, Jared, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Be well. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.